Blog Talk Radio. another episode of a sound heart radio first of all i want to give thanks to our god our great god and savior jesus christ for his so great salvation and indeed we do have a so great salvation and and a so great savior and uh, i want you to know that the gospel is still relevant in the 21st century and I want you to know that God is still saving uh, souls in this day and age. It is a very different time. And uh, people have joined themselves either consciously or consciously to the cult of technology. And this cult is fast taking over uh, the lives Uh, of many, many people. And so we thank God for the gospel and the good news that Jesus crucified, was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. uh, And so Paul records this in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians 15. Therein, Paul promulgates his gospel, his good news. So I want to uh, first uh, go through First Thessalonians briefly, and then we're going to go to Second Thessalonians, where uh, I'm going to discuss the Holy Spirit, and um, and it is He who is holding back the full manifestation uh, of evil uh, uh, during this time, and so. Uh, we call this in, in classical orthodox theology, we call this the restraining ministry of the spirit. But first I want to review uh, some uh, spiritual truths about the church at Thessalonica. So the city of Thessalonica was uh, situated along the, the Ignatian Way, and it was on the western side of the Chalcedic Peninsula. It was uh, it was a chief seaport of, of Macedonia, and uh, it was a, also an important commercial and military center as well. So, uh, after Paul and Silas were forced to leave Philippi, they traveled along the Ignatian Way to Thessalonica, and you would read this in Acts 16, verses 39 through Acts 17:1, and there Paul taught in the synagogues for three Sabbaths. And then they were forced to leave the city uh, when uh, a group of antagonistic uh, Jewish people, after stirring up the people of Thessalonica, brought some uh, believers before the city officials and accused them of treason. 
This is Acts 17, verses 5 through 10. And so uh, believers came under great persecution following this uproar. So I, I want you to get the context in which Paul uh, praises uh, these saints for their faith. They were under great pressure. And uh, it is through this great pressure that uh, we see their exquisite brand of faith. So Jesus said himself uh, that in the world uh, you will be in tight places. And Jesus never promised us as believers that we will have peace in the world. Jesus promised that we will have we would have peace in him, peace centered in him. And irene, that is peace uh, in the New Testament. We see this in John fourteen twenty seven and Philippians four seven. So peace means untroubled and undisturbed well being. Untroubled and undisturbed well being. Jesus said, in me, you or ye have peace. And so uh, the church at Thessalonica knew this spiritual reality. And so in spite of their persecution, in spite of the pressure uh, brought upon them, they, uh, their faith rang out. And so this is what... Uh, the unsaved uh, do not get that in spite of, of, of being sorely persecuted, believers prosper. And believers who are completely dedicated to Christ understand this truth, that in spite of what the world throws at us, uh, we will continue to, we will persevere. And our resilience is not out from ourselves, we have the resilience that God has granted us as his own. And so it is he that makes us to prosper. So um, Paul had to leave the area, and so he wanted to go back. Uh, He wanted to return to Thessalonica, but he was hindered by Satan. And uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 and 18. And so uh, he sent Timothy back to complete the work that he had begun, First Thessalonians 3, verses 1 and 2. So First Thessalonians was probably written uh, by Paul between uh, the years 80, 50, and 51, uh, when Timothy returned to him from Corinth, and that is Acts 18.5. So he brought good news of the steadfastness and zeal of the saints of Thessalonica for the gospel, 1 Thessalonians 3, 6. Nevertheless, uh, he reported also that there were some problems uh, that had to do with eschatology. And so uh, it is in this letter, First and Second uh, Thessalonians, that Paul gives orthodox instruction, orthodox teaching about catalogical events or events of the last times. Now, when the Bible does not use words like end of the world, uh, the Bible talks about the end of the age. Uh, Classical theologians have called this 
age in which we are, which we live, the church age. And I don't hear that much anymore. I don't hear that designation much anymore, hardly at all. But this age, this church age, is will end in great apostasy. Now, uh, in Pauline theology, apost- uh, the word apostasy men, means to stand off and away from. Now, the the visible church will uh, maintain its outward visible form. Paul writes that they had a form, morphe of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So the outward form will remain, but the inward, uh, but inwardly it would be ravaged. It would be it will stand off from classical uh, the classical teachings of the faith. Uh, for instance, uh, that we are blood-bought saints, that the blood of Jesus wipes away all of our sins, that there is salvation through Christ. They will also deny uh, the resurrection of Christ. And so they will deny also the second coming of Christ. So uh, they will deny hell. They will deny the lake of fire. They will deny judgment. Uh, they will deny, deny, deny. Again, this uh, this is the great apostasy. And interestingly enough, uh, none of the New Testament writers sought to convince uh, the unsaved uh, of doctrine or the t- uh, the reality of doctrine because they knew that these persons uh, did not have the capacity to understand doctrine. Because why? Well, read First uh, Corinthians where Paul says that the doctrine is foolishness unto him because of these people, because they are spiritually discerned or spiritually understood. Um, So they can't, uh, they do not have the capacity to perceive or understand doctrine. Um, And uh, in Romans 1, Paul uh, writes that that these, these people are without excuse. Uh, he talks in great detail in Romans 1 about their sin and that God had, has given to these people a reprobate mind, which means a mind void of results. If you think, you listen carefully to people, they are convinced of what they say. But if you listen carefully, you will you will begin to understand through the Spirit of God the exquisite magnitude of the their emptiness. So, so one of the writers of the Bible has written, the empty-headed ones, this is a literal translation, the empty-headed ones have said, there is no God. And so because uh, they, they espouse this belief, uh, then they will receive. Uh, they are uh, there are they are culpable for their uh, blasphemy. They may not know or understand the word blasphemy, but they are they are culpable for their uh, their rabid uh, rejection uh, of the existence of God. So, and. In spite of the problems that these believers faced and in spite of the persecution they had faced, the church at Thessalonica had faithfully spread the good news. 
Uh, in Paul's first epistle, that is for Thessalonians, we meet his Christology, his uh, his doctrine of uh, of the historical Christ. We meet it in verse one of chapter one. We read Paul and Silvanus or Silas. Uh, Silas was a Jewish Roman citizen, and then. We have three names. We have Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek father, and he was a convert at Lystra on Paul's first tour. So uh, these these individuals were were faithful with Paul, and so and Paul writes, "Grace be unto you, Caddis." Well, grace is the stamp of Paul's experience. Grace be unto you, or grace unto you. This is the stamp of Paul's uh, experience uh, with Christ. And uh, this was not a mere intellectual belief. This was organic. This was this this was Paul's life, his his new life in Christ. Grace was organic reality. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain was or was organic reality for Paul. Nevertheless, to remain is for your benefit. Paul knew uh, the wonders uh, of being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being constantly uh, controlled by the Spirit, and, and what God had shown him in spite of his own persecutions, in spite of what he had suffered on behalf of the gospel, uh, Paul remained faithful. And you see that uh, when, and, and Paul operated under or through the resurrection power of Jesus. And the world cannot stop. The world cannot uh, cover over or prevent uh, the resurrection power of Christ, even though it does, and it has uh, it has tried to successfully stamp out the good news, it cannot. Uh, remember John one, uh, or John wrote that the darkness uh, wanted to overtake the light, but it could not. That shines, that constantly shines in darkness, is Jesus. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul writes, We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. So patience here is a Greek word, hupomene, and it means that quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial, patience. It is hupomene. It is a very important doctrinal term. Once again, hupomene or patience refers to that quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. This man was constantly filled with the Spirit, he had grown uh, in unparalleled wisdom in Christ. He had reached spiritual maturity, but Paul never believed that 
there was an end or, or an apex to his spiritual maturity. He would always want more knowledge of Christ. And so uh, he, he, he commends them for their patience of hope, that quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. Verse 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. I like that, in much assurance. It means perfect certainty or perfect certitude. The, the doctrine, New Testament doctrine is precise. The, the definitions are precise. The definitions are of organic new reality. The, the definitions are filled with, with the resurrection power of Christ. So they are precise. They are without vagaries. They are, uh, and so there, there is a, a, a powerful elegance about Bible doctrine. And as we grow uh, in the word and in our understanding, guess what? The, the perfect certitude uh, of the word changes our neuron, changes, that is, it morphs our brain, it morphs, it changes our spirit, it changes, and so therefore we can worship God as he should be worshipped because what? We are growing in spiritual maturity through uh, his word. Our prayers change. And remember what Paul wrote in Romans 8 about our prayers. We don't know how to pray as we, as we are, but the, uh, the Holy Spirit of God takes our prayers and shapes them so that uh, the Father on high and uh, with, with groans that cannot be uttered. The Spirit of God does this. Everything about our salvation has to do with the, with the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 6, chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians. And you became followers of us. That's a very powerful statement. They, they had lived in such a way that this powerful church and these powerful believers, they looked to Paul, Silas, and, and Timothy. You, and you is emphatic, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. You see how that should go? You see how we should then live? How should we then live? And you became followers of us. We are the Christ and the only Christ that people will see until they grow up uh, in, uh, into him in all things. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are some very important words here that I don't have time to get into, but I just wanted to give you some background uh, of the spiritual excellence uh, of these believers. Uh, so, and first uh, on this 2.12, uh, all right, right, that you walk worthy of God who has called you Unto his kingdom and glory. Uh, I want you to really uh, grasp 
what is going on in the mind uh, in the mind of Paul. Um, Jesus said that we would be persecuted. He said that. And what did Jesus say? That if you would follow me, you must take up your cross. And in Roman culture at that time, only the condemned took up the cross. And the Romans would write what city you were from, your name, and your crime. What would be the crime that would be written above your head or my head for following Christ? It would be because we are those of the way or those of the road because we, we, we follow Christ. Take up the cross. Jesus laid out those words. Some of this stuff that attempts to pass as so-called Christian music, I have very little about the cross and, and the blood of the Savior, the blood of the Lamb that washes away sin. The stuff is so filled with the flesh, the flesh to lead astray, uh, to tickle the ears of the immature. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 3.3 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Now, I want you to understand something that uh, what these afflictions are designed for. They're designed to bring us to maturity. So Paul writes that we are appointed to affliction. But then Paul would say, but God hath not and this is First uh, Thessalonians 5, 9, uh, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify. Very important word. It is in the present imperative. It means to build up. Edify one another, even also as you do. So these believers were powerful. Uh, and so uh, this is why the enemy wanted to move in on them and confuse them uh, with doctrine concerning the, the end-time events. And so uh, to clear up some of their, their confusion, because these were spiritual believers, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, Paul wrote these words. Thessalonians uh, 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, notice the language, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, that means to agitate, or and by implication it means to destroy, or be troubled, that is frightened, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, uh, again, this, this term falling away, it, it literally means a standing away. 
It means uh, placing oneself away uh, and out from Jesus. So uh, when this um, uh, this individual comes who is the, the Antichrist, notice the, uh, the pathological arrogance of this creature, of this being, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was with uh, yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So the Bible talks about, uh, so the uh the the restraining ministry of the spirit uh, that is God holds back God is holding back uh, uh, the full manifestation of evil these things will be fulfilled and done in their time we go to Revelation five Jesus is in, in the throne room he receives the uh, the scroll. And the scroll is what? It is the title deed to the earth. And Jesus opens the seals. He begins to, when he opens the seal, this is the time not of, of judgment. Remember, the, uh, this is wrath. This is the wrath of God. He treadeth the winepress of the fullness of the wrath of Almighty God. Please read, first, uh, please read Revelation chapter 1 and 2. Now, and now you know this is, 6 Thessalonians 2, 6, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity, now that should read the secret purpose of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now lets, that means to hinder or to stop, only he who now lets, that is hinders, will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be, or it should really read that lawless one be revealed. Now, he is the Antichrist. What did Jesus do? Jesus came to fulfill or to complete the law. Jesus is the completion of the law. Uh, and so, but the Antichrist is the lawless one. Jesus came to complete the law uh, of God. And uh, he followed uh, the will of God. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Nevertheless, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. To go to Jerusalem that he might accomplish those things which were divinely designed for him. Satan, uh, Antichrist, is the, the, uh, the opposite mimicry of the living Christ. So, uh, so the, the, the mystery, verse 7, of an equity is already at work. Only he who now lets will, relent, will let until he be taken out of the way. Look, when uh, the Holy Spirit stops his restraining ministry, 
So some people say, well, does that mean that the Holy Spirit is going to be nowhere else in the world? He won't be present in the world? Uh, God is going to allow for man to show forth his sinfulness. And we are going to see what his reign is like, that is the reign of the Antichrist, when we read the book of Revelation. We shall see how virulent, how terrible, how awful this individual is going to be. And we already have a complete understanding uh, of this Antichrist, this man of sin, this son of perdition, this little horn of Daniel. You can also read the book of Daniel. Now, I'm going to go in my next show. I will teach some more uh, about the coming of this, this Antichrist and uh, what he is going to do. But for now, the Holy Spirit is holding back the full manifestation of evil in the cosmos. I wanted to do this teaching so that your hearts will be at rest and to know that you are loved by God and that God has a great blessing for you. Prepare our hearts, let us be pure, let us be holy, let us be sanctified in our mind and speech and attitude because we are looking forward unto the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Good evening and God bless you.